Today, millions throughout the world will be celebrating what is known as Easter Sunday. When I was a young boy, my parents made sure that my six brothers and sisters and I, that we went to church at least one day out of the year, and that was on Easter Sunday. Uh, I didn't understand the significance of it, and I'm pretty sure they didn't either. But, but later on in life, as I studied the scriptures and came to conviction about Jesus Christ as Lord, I understood that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most significant event in the history of all mankind. That Resurrection Sunday, or what many call Easter, is not about Easter eggs or Easter bunnies or Easter candy or, or dressing up in, your, in your, your newest attire to attend the church service. No, it is about remembering the most important day in the history of the world. And that was that Jesus died and was raised on the third day. The resurrection distinguishes Jesus from every other prophet in Christianity, from every other religion. The validity of the scriptures and everything that Jesus claimed hangs on the resurrection. Every word he spoke, every parable, every, every miracle that he, he, he performed, it hinges upon was the resurrection a reality? Did it actually happen? If Jesus was raised from the dead, then all that we read is true. And we can hold on to him as our Lord and as our Savior. And he gives us the hope of eternal life. If Christ was not raised from the dead, Christianity is not a faith that we should entrust our lives to. It is falsehood. It is a lie. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17, he says, If Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Today, we believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. We believe it not because it is popular and millions will celebrate Easter today. We believe it not because it makes us feel better to believe it or because it's a, a Church of Christ doctrine. We believe it. Not just because the Bible says so. We believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead because of the irrefutable testimony of men and women who witnessed the risen Savior and gave their lives because of this fact. Today, we, we proclaim that Jesus is not just a better way to live or a better Lord, to follow, we proclaim that he is the way, the truth, and the life because Jesus conquered hell, death, and the grave. And he lives today. Because of him, we can live this life differently. Because of his resurrection from the dead, we can face death with a different perspective. And that's what we want to talk about today, how the resurrection empowers us to live life differently. Rob Novak will now talk about that, and then I'll help us to understand how the resurrection helps us to face death. Good morning, church, and happy Easter. As I'm watching this with you right now, my three- and four-year-old boys are 
probably running around hyped up on a chocolate bunny breakfast and loving it, much like Jesus' disciples when they saw that he had risen from the dead, which I'm excited to be preaching with Sam about today. The resurrection is powerful. The undefeated champion, death, was taken down. Jesus conquered death by living a sinless life, taking on the cross and walking from the tomb like a boss. And that can affect us for eternity, but also here and now. My main point for us this morning is the resurrection gives us power to rise in this life. In Romans 6, verses 2 to 7, the Bible says, We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. This says when we were baptized, we were united with Jesus' death, but also with the resurrection. What for? So that we too may live a new life. Jesus rose as an example of what's possible for us through him. God offers a renewed, forgiven, faithful, undefeatable life. Are you living the risen life? Now I have two points for us this morning on how to live the risen life. The first is the risen life breaks free from the tomb. In Romans 6, it talks about no longer living in sin, but dying to sin and living a new life. Right? Sin leads to the tomb. It's where Jesus' body carrying our iniquities went. No one wants to live in a tomb. It's dark, it's dreary, it's lonely. And when we look at our lives and at the world, it's so obvious that sin is deadly, destructive, and brings so much brokenness and pain. It brings darkness, shame, and regret. Sin separates us from God and from each other. But when Jesus rose, he made a way for us to break free from that tomb. However, Jesus couldn't rise without first being crucified, and neither can we. To rise with him, we must die with him. This is all over the Bible. In Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Colossians 3 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And 2 Corinthians 5 says, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. When we die with him, we can rise with him. And now we can live with a new, 
Christ-like heart and mind. We can live with his values, investments, and purposes. We can be like him in our words, our actions, our interactions, our relationships. And it's so much better than what we left behind. We live from Jesus, for Jesus, with Jesus. We yoke ourselves to him and break free from the tomb. And as Jesus had his scars, in this life some remnants of our sin will be there. But we don't live in sin. It becomes the exception, not the pattern. And so we escape where it leads, to the tomb. And then when we do sin, we can turn to God. We can be forgiven and then we can grow from it. You know, I've been a disciple 11 years now. In the ministry for 10 Married for eight and a parent for five. And the more time that goes by, the more grateful I am for a new life. There's been incredible victories I never would have had. Our family, deep friendships, the changed lives that we've seen. And there's also been hardship, hurt in relationships, serious health challenges and discouragement in life. But these are all things that I can't imagine going through without God's comfort people, and direction. And yet in it all, I still hear my sinful nature beckoning me to argue in anger, to be selfish or greedy, to be prideful, to be comfortable or uncaring. But I know that to go back would damage and eventually rob me of all that rising with Christ has brought me. And we've seen other people go back there. It scares me and it breaks my heart. But the truth is it doesn't have to happen to any of us. If we keep dying with him and rising with him, we can break free and stay broken free from the tomb. Now this morning, what's calling you back to your tomb? What do you need to break free from to live the risen life? Are you venting anger? not forgiving or reconciling with others? Is there deceitfulness or dishonesty that's taking away your integrity? Are you letting consumerism, greed, or materialism consume you? Are you fueling disunity over opinions or man-made divisions? Are you going to impurity, alcohol, or binge sleeping, eating, or screening for relief instead of going to God. Now, whatever it is, leave it in the tomb. In Luke 24, the angels ask the women at the tomb, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Right? Going to sin is looking for life among the dead. It doesn't work. It leads to broken relationships, shame, hurt, and separation from God. Just like the tomb, it's empty. Sin is empty. Life is not in there. It's in Jesus, and he has risen. Jesus didn't die for you to go back to what put him on the cross. He died to set you free, was buried to seal it, and rose for you to live a new life. The risen life breaks free from the tomb. And secondly, the risen life burns with a heart for God. 
Before the resurrection, the disciples were pretty defeated. Maybe one said, didn't he say he'd rise? Then Thomas replied, ah, he always spoke in parables. They thought it was over. But what if they thought faithfully? Maybe he really is going to rise from the dead. Maybe he was never building a physical kingdom at all, but a spiritual one the whole time. Guys, it's the third day. Let's meet him at the tomb with some fish for breakfast. He loves that. No, but they weren't faithful yet. They were disheartened. But after he rose, their faith was on fire. Everything changed. And Luke 24 is an incredible story of the risen Jesus with two of his disciples walking along a road. In verse 15 it says, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. You know, then they continued walking and talking, and we see they were downcast and hopeless, reminiscing of the good old days when Jesus and the dream was alive. But that night, Jesus had dinner with them. And then he reveals himself. I would have loved to have seen that. And of course, they're shocked. They're amazed. And then after Jesus leaves, in verse 32, they said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? In the King Jesus translation, it says, Were not our hearts on fire Right after experiencing the risen Jesus, the disciples' hearts went from downcast to burning. Their faith got an adrenaline shot. Everything changed. They changed. That's the effect it had on all the disciples. Right? They went from fleeing Jesus when he was arrested to facing flogging for him themselves. They went from denying they even knew him to declaring his name around the world. Because that's how you live when you grasp the gospel. Jesus dying on the cross says we should. We should overcome. We should do something great for God. Right? But the resurrection adds, and we can. It's possible. We can persevere. We can bring glory to God with our lives. Don't forget Romans 8 verse 11, which tells us, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Jesus was in a dark tomb, seemed defeated, was entangled in linen, blocked by a stone and guarded by soldiers. And so for us, however dark things seem, however defeated you feel, whatever sin entangles, whatever's blocking your path or standing in your way, remember the power of that raised Jesus from the dead, is living in you. And by it, you can rise up too. Where do you need to see the power of God in your life? Where have you seen it before? A few months ago, I really needed this. We were in an exceptionally crazy time with life, 
the kids, and ministry. And by the end of the week, I was at a low point from a mixture of quarantine loneliness, disconnection from God, the stress of things going on, and the weight of some bad news that we had heard recently. So that morning, I went out for a long prayer walk and just got to talk to God about it all. And it felt like a song. I started off defeated, but by the end was declaring God's promises and presence and provision in my life. Right? It reignited me. And so I got home, talked to Chelsea about it all, and that helped. And over the weekend, I got to talk to many of the people that God has put in my life for support. By after the second or third person, I was just sharing with them on how I had been, but no longer was. But that's what God's power does. It revives us. It keeps us burning. Perhaps one of the most inspiring ways to connect with God's power is remembering when we first rose with him. Now, I'm sure those disciples never forgot their walk with Jesus along that road. Right? Anytime they were down, tempted to shrink, to shrink back, got distracted, remembering when they connected with the risen Jesus brought that fire back. And so this morning, how's your fire burning? Are you disheartened, discouraged, or distracted? You know, maybe you're still here and praise God, but over time, has your heart gotten closed? Have you loosened your convictions or lost your kingdom passion? You know, over time, I've learned and matured a lot, and I wouldn't trade any of that. But one thing that I've learned is that spiritual age doesn't determine spiritual stage. We can be aging, but spiritually fading. But that's not the risen life. The risen life, as time goes on, becomes more humble, more holy, more faithful, more grateful, more like Jesus. That's the risen life. And remembering when we raised with Christ, when we were baptized into him, can reignite that for us. For me, that was December 4th, 2009 in Boston. You know, why don't you go ahead and write in the chat when and where you were baptized and united with Christ. And if you're new here, I want you to know God is offering you a risen life. Ask whoever invited you to study the Bible, to learn more about Jesus and see what following him is all about. I promise it'll be the best decision that you ever made. At the end of this past summer, we took a trip up to Boston. And I took Chelsea and the kids down to the spot at the Charles River where I was baptized. And it was so surreal standing there, remembering that day, and processing all that has happened since I made Jesus Lord and united with him in that ice-cold water. It was the most special day of my life. The water was freezing, but my heart was on fire. I knew it was going to be hard, and it's been harder. But I also knew it was going to be great. And it's been so much greater. Do you remember your heart and faith when you were saved? Right? You rose out of that water knowing all of your sin was forgiven. You had the Holy Spirit. Heaven was your home. You are now a disciple of Jesus for the rest of your life. You had radically repented of your sin and left it behind. You found God's kingdom. You had the deepest joy. 
the deepest gratitude and peace that surpassed understanding. It wasn't easy, but it was worth it. You faced trials, but nothing could stop you. You relied on God's power and you saw miracles in your life. You were so excited to share what you found with everyone, to go make disciples of all nations and to make a difference in this world for God. That's the risen life. Are you still living it? What does remembering that day reignite in you? The resurrection gives us power to rise in this life. Brothers and sisters, Jesus didn't die and rise for himself. He did it for us. So let's live with that resurrection power. Let's break free from our tomb. And let's keep our hearts burning for God until the very end. Amen. Robin's just helped us to understand how we can rise to a new standard of living because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I want to take a few minutes to help us to understand how we can rise to a new perspective on death because of the resurrection. You know, Paul wrote to the Thessalonians here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. He says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind. We have no, who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who fall asleep in him. According to the Lord's words, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not perceive those who fall asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And so my goal is to do exactly what the Apostle Paul just said, to encourage us with these words, to encourage us with the hope of death after, I mean, of life after death because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Yes, we grieve the loss of loved ones. You know, as we think about this pandemic and what's happened in the past year with over 550,000 souls dying here in the United States alone, and, and countless others throughout the world. I mean, how do we deal with that? What is the answer to that? You know, we, we lost a relative, Cynthia's a niece, uh, back in August of, of 2020. She was just 35 years old and died from COVID-19. And we, we grieved, we mourned her, her loss. And I believe that, that God wants us to mourn with those who mourn, as the Bible says, and to be there to offer uh, comfort and to show compassion. But Paul says here that we do not grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. You know, one of the most difficult things for me to do is to perform 
uh, the, the funeral of a non-believer. And yes, we, we do all that we can to, to comfort and to encourage. But when someone dies in the Lord, it's different. It's different. Because they die in faith. They die with the conviction that Jesus is the resurrected Lord. And as, as John Murkowski talked about a week ago, I mean, they die with the helmet of salvation, with the knowledge that they are going to be saved, that they are saved, that they're right with God. And that just changes the whole dynamic of everything. You know, Kevin Finnan and I were on a Zoom call with the deacons in, in Westchester and just talking about how death is becoming more frequent in, in the region as we had members pass away this this past year and in 2020 as well as in 2021 and and how this is is occurring more frequently and and Kevin uh, he reminded us look we're getting older and our relatives are getting older and this is going to be a more commonplace thing and even though we know that it's 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 coming upon us it doesn't make it easier the fact is that we need to make sure that we, and we were talking about this, we do everything we can to get ready. But more than life insurance, we need life assurance. Assurance of life after death that comes through Jesus Christ. You know, the best thing that you can do to, to, to help your family to get ready for your death is to make sure that there is no question about where you stand with God, that you have lived faithful, that Jesus has been Lord, that you've loved the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, so that God can know, the angels can know, and everybody can know that God was first in your heart and that you lived a life committed to him. No, not a perfect life, but you did your best to make the Bible your standard each and every day of your life. The best thing we can do for our families is to live that kind of life where we're ready to meet God. The best life insurance policy is a relationship with Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord. You know, Cynthia and I, you know, we talk about a death from time to time and I tell her, look, I believe that I'm going to go before you. And she tells me, no, 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 I think, you know, I'll, I'll go before you. But but, but, nevertheless, if, if Cynthia goes before me, I will miss her. I mean, she is the love of my life, my best friend, my confidant. I mean, she's the, the mother of, of my children. We've been together this coming August. It'll be 40 years. The memories and now with our grandparents and, and all that we've shared together, I mean, my heart will be broken and I will grieve and I will hurt and I will weep if she goes before me. But there's one thing I know. I know that she has lived a life devoted to Jesus Christ. And yes, I will mourn her passing, but I will have complete confidence that she walked a straight and narrow road and I won't need 
the the funeral cliches uh, that she's in a better place or, you know, God needed another angel or if she were here now, she would not want you crying uh, because she is is because this is a time of celebration. I won't need any of that because I know her life. I know God ruled and reigned in her heart, and it was evident by her actions. I know that the word of God was, was, was her guide and standard, and I know she will rise again, not because she was perfect or not because I want it to happen, but because she lived faithfully, Jesus, and he promises us that those who hope in him will have eternal life. You know, our hope and our confidence it's not in our feelings, but in the words of Jesus. You know, remember what Jesus said to, 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 to Martha in, in John 11, verse 21. Martha, she comes to Jesus and she says, if you'd been here, my brother Lazarus would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Then Martha said, Martha answered, I know you will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. We need to be able to say what Martha said because of her faith in Jesus. She says, I know my brother will rise in the resurrection. Can we say that? See, I think it's time to have conversations that help us, that help our loved ones to prepare for death. Do they know the Lord? Are they ready to meet God? Can you say, I know that I will rise again at the resurrection because of my faith and my commitment to Jesus Christ? And let's go back and, and, and read once again 1 Thessalonians 4. Paul says, for we believe, in verse 13, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who fall fallen asleep. For the Lord will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we rise above fear. We rise above hopelessness. We rise above despair. And we rise above death. As we commune together, let's remember the hope that God's given us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Our God and Father in heaven, thank you so much for sending your son to show us how to live and to show us how to die. Father, on this Resurrection Sunday, we give you glory. And we thank you, God, that we do not grieve like the rest of men and the rest of, of men and women who have no hope. But that, Father, though it, it will hurt to lose those we love, we know that they will go to a better place to be with you for all eternity. And as we commune together today, we praise you for this cup and we praise you for this bread and we thank you God that you are with us and that your spirit lives in us we honor you and praise you 
with great gratitude. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen.